In a spirit of celebration and anticipation, the people are shouting and waving palm branches. Jesus is making his entry into Jerusalem, and his crowds of followers are filled with expectation and enthusiasm. The moment has come. Things are about to finally change. The reign of God to which Jesus' life and ministry, his miracles and his teachings, lifting up the poor and those on the margins have pointed to, is about to become the new reality. But it all ends so very differently on this day that we call not only Palm Sunday, but also the Sunday of the Passion. A day that includes not only the waving of palms and the hooping and hollering of hosannas and the laying of their robes on his path as they make their march into Jerusalem, but also his ignominious death, his final breath, then his lifeless body hanging on a cross like a piece of meat waiting on the vultures to descend. If any of the people in power were concerned about the hordes of poor and marginalized people entering Jerusalem with Jesus, distracting from the official celebrations that were planned for those holy days, they could now relax. They got their man. They took him down, and all but his most faithful disciples seemed to have abandoned him. The excitement and the hope turned to anguish, disappointment, and despair. It had always been the case that Jesus' vision for an alternative reality, which he called the kingdom or the reign of God, had no armies, it had no infrastructure to stand against the might of Rome. What it had was the hopes and the dreams of the poor, the blind, the lepers, the sick, and the downtrodden of society. It contained their hopes for a new reality in which the poor are lifted up and the mighty are cast down from their thrones. It had Israel's law and its prophets calling them to care for the stranger, for the poor, for those who could not care for themselves. The movement that Jesus was leading was a call to become Israel's authentic self, not the playground of empires and the powers of this world. But the leaders of a corrupt Jerusalem establishment colluded with the powers of empire, an unholy alliance that found its zenith as Pilate and Herod became friends in their mutual contempt for the leader of this movement of regular people. They were undoubtedly impressed with themselves. After all, they had all the levers of power in their hands. They had all the symbols of power in their processions of war horses entering the city to the amazement of the crowds. On a day when the Roman occupation put all its might on display in observance of Israel's celebration of the Passover. I can almost see the smirk on their faces as they saw or maybe just heard about that crowd that entered the city from the east following Jesus, who was riding on the back of a donkey, while the people waved palm branches and threw their cloaks before him. But from the perspective of those following Jesus, his choice to ride a donkey into the city was not so much the pathetic imitation of the symbols of power that the Herods and Pilots of the world must have seen, but it was an act of protest and resistance, 
a parody of the purveyors of power, a kind of farcical act on his part, a mockery of Roman processions and their consolidation of power by whatever means. It was a first century version of a Saturday night live skit or a Mel Brooks movie that showed the powers of empire for what they truly were, a scheme for privileging the powerful at the expense of the masses of humanity, and particularly the poor and the marginalized. We see something very much like this being played out throughout history and indeed in our own time. Whether it was Martin Luther King and his march to Selma in 1965, with poor black Southerners resisting the powers of segregation and Jim Crow, or the crowds of protesters in Tiananmen Square in Beijing in 1989, or the millions of people just this week in Khartoum and throughout Sudan who refused to give up their campaign for justice. Interesting that the symbol of Sudan's uprising has become a woman standing on top of a car, exhorting the crowds to continue their struggle against the forces of oppression and injustice. While in Tiananmen Square, it was a young man standing in front of a tank. In Jerusalem, 2,000 years ago, it was a man riding on a donkey. What are we to take away from the saga of hope gone awry? After all, it would seem there is an element of failure in the story we've just heard here today, a story that ended with a man hanging on a cross, mocked, tortured, brutalized. They killed Jesus. They seem at least for a while to have put an end to his movement. The signs of God's impending realm seem to have come crashing down. Momentum ceases. What we see is a picture, I would suggest, not, however, of failure, but of faithfulness. Jesus' desire for the poor and the blind and for all of humanity is just simply so much greater than what can be contained in anything smaller than that. He refuses to settle for anything less than what he desires for all of humanity. It was the love that would not be short-circuited by the forces of hatred, cruelty, and evil. He would take no easy way out of this one. As Jesus was being led away to Golgotha, the crowds are following, and among them is a group of women who are beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and he said, Do not weep for me but weep for yourselves and for your children. As if to say, if we do not persevere in the struggle, the world will only become a more cruel, a more vile place than it is now. The oppressors will have won. And our opportunity to demonstrate a different way, the way of love for God and love for our neighbor, will not have had its opportunity to flourish and come to life. That is the love that led Jesus to the cross. And it is the love that would be vindicated three days later. But now I'm getting ahead of the story. For now, let us look upon the one who refused to give in to the powers of evil, one who was faithful 
even when the going got tough. One who was faithful and persevered even when it called for great personal sacrifice. One who knew there was more to be gained by loving to the end than by making peace with oppression. Reflecting on these events decades later, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church in Corinth. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient he might also have said faithful to the point of death, even death on a cross. Story to be continued next week.